0: I want to talk about uh, forgiveness tonight. Forgiveness doesn't come naturally to us. King Louis Twelfth of France said there's nothing that smells as sweet as the dead body of your enemy. We find it easy to carry grudges. Uh, this week I heard the I'm to drink a bit here, get this throat cleared up. Hopefully that'll do it. I heard a uh, a friend tell me about walking into a hardware store in Saskatchewan. Small community and He hardly knew the guy who was running the hardware store, and after a bit of a conversation, he said, we had a doctor around here who went bankrupt. Can you imagine that? A doctor going bankrupt! And then he pulled out his wallet, and he had a 15-year-old newspaper clipping he'd been carrying around in his wallet for 15 years about a doctor who'd gone bankrupt 15 years ago. Everybody else had moved on. But he was still letting a uh, doctor who went bankrupt ruin his life. Forgiveness is not natural to us. But forgiveness is essential. But forgiveness is essential. We're gonna spend the uh, evening in Matthew chapter 18. And Matthew chapter 18 is a a neat story of Jesus teaching, but he's not teaching the multitudes, he's not teaching crowds. This is a chapter, if you look at verse 1, where he is speaking directly, Matthew 18, he's speaking directly to his disciples. And so this is a chapter where he is really doing some leadership development. With, with his inner core group. Mm-hmm. And the chapter, the bulk of the chapter is about how we handle our offenses. And so, uh, verses 18 to 20, he's talking about, and find it in, uh, this isn't on the screen, you have to either trust me or look in your own Bible. And if you look in your own Bible, you'll find out I'm not making this up. He, he talks about what you do when somebody has offended you in the body of Christ. And uh, and he says the church has the right to make a decision about how you handle that stuff. And uh, says in uh, verse number uh 18, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I don't think there is a misapplied Scripture or a Scripture that is more misapplied among Christian believers anywhere than that verse. That verse, my friends, is not talking about how we… Handle the devil. That verse is talking about how we handle brothers and sisters in discipline. And we quote it all the time. I've been to lots of prayer meetings, probably as many prayer meetings as most of you. And we use it in prayer to tell the enemy we're binding him. But this is not what this portion is talking about. It's talking about our right and our authority to make decisions in the body of Christ about holding people accountable or setting them free. And he says, if you hold them accountable, they're held accountable. If you set them free, they're set free. So Peter hears that. And uh, Peter is always thinking and always has questions and he says, okay, 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 Jesus, these guys drive me crazy. How many times do I have to forgive them? The common Jewish teaching was you forgive people three times. They believed in forgiveness. They believe in mercy. You exhibit mercy and forgiveness three times because if they haven't changed their ways after three times, they're not really repentant. So you forgive them three times. So Peter's hanging around with this Jesus guy, and Jesus seems to be pretty generous with grace and mercy, so he thinks he's going to be the hero in the crowd, and he throws out a suggestion. How many times do I have to forgive these people? And uh, he says... It's seven times, is that is that good, Jesus? And Jesus says, uh, no, you forgive them 490 times, the point there being at some point you'll lose track. In the Christian community, in our relationships with each other, forgiveness just keeps going on and on, and on, and on, and on. That's biblical Christian forgiveness. And I should point out something else. Jesus didn't say uh, you should forgive them 490 times if. That's important. doesn't say you forgive them 490 times if. You just forgive them four hundred and ninety times. Forgiveness. And then he goes on and he shares this amazing story. And I want to read it to you now. Uh, Matthew eighteen twenty three. Right to the end of the chapter. For this reason the kingdom of heaven make it be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he'd begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground, prostrated himself before him, took real humble posture, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave, this sounds familiar, fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him into prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Quite a story. There's a lot of instruction on forgiveness in that story and I just wanna highlight some things out of there for you. And the first one is that Christians need to forgive because they themselves have been forgiven. Christians need to forgive because they themselves have been forgiven. The story here is about a, uh, a slave who owed some money. Now that's language that we're not familiar with. Uh, the slave here would be, we call them tax collectors. Back then, they actually called them tax farmers. They were given jurisdiction over a certain area, and they went into that certain area, were given responsibility for collecting all the taxes on behalf of the king. They were tax farmers. They went (laughs) out to this harvest field and harvested taxes. And now it's the end of the year when the taxing year is over, and now you've got to pay the king. This guy was uh, really quite an amazing tax farmer. Because in verse 24, uh, he had apparently collected in his job 10000 Talents. Wow. Now, in my margin, in my little preaching Bible here, this this center thing, in my margin, this is what it has to say about this thing called talents. A talent, well, this is one talent. A talent was worth more than 15 years of wages. 10,000 talents. $6.25 million at least, if you've got an average Saskatchewan income. This is no small debt. And he'd been harvesting really well. He was a good farmer. He collected $6.25 million and You know how it is, you need a little money for your wife's new pair of shoes, you want to treat her once, you take her out to the keg, and uh, then he came to hand back the 6.25 million dollars that he owed, and it wasn't all there, a big chunk of it was gone. And the king says, you owe that to me, you need to make a payment. And he just doesn't have it all. <laughs> and so the boss, the king, says, well, you got you to gotta do restitution repayment here real quick. And the slave fell to the ground, said, have patience with me. And the Lord forgave him and released him from his debt. G. Duncan Darrett, who wrote *The Law in the New Testament*, on page forty-two, wrote this: When circumstances forced a ruler to forgive taxes he did so with the understanding that his people would respect his benevolence. If he released his subordinate ministers' debts, they in turn must release the debts of those indebted to them. So this guy has a huge debt. 6.25 million dollars, and he goes out of there and he goes back to his job and he starts trying to do some more tax-farming. And he runs into a guy. What's the story say here that uh, he, this guy he runs into owed him? One hundred denarii. That's about four months' wages this guy had a debt that he couldn't have repaid if he'd lived three lives in a row and this guy just owes 100 denarii three months work and the guy takes him by the throat and says you pay me back or else not the not the brightest guy in the world Friends, we are Christians, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, we're so glad you're here, you're welcome. You need to understand that a primary marker of Christians is we're people of forgiveness, because we understand that he's forgiven us. It marks who we are. And (laughs) there are none of us around here tonight who haven't needed, and don't continue to need God's forgiveness. We dare not, cannot, must not position ourselves in a place (laughs) where we're not giving forgiveness to others. So, first point. Second point uh, is when we forgive, we reflect the character, and the glory of God. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, Just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. When we are forgiving, we are looking like Jesus. People see Jesus in us. Jesus has forgiven us. We go around in our relationships and we forgive others. Forgiveness. It's how we we live. I love Proverbs 19 and verse 11. King James Version. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. When do we display glory? When does glory shine in our lives? The God of all glory who dwells. When does the glory of God shine forth? When we learn to be like Him. And we learn to pass over transgression. We will all stand before Him. I have really good news for you tonight. When you stand before him, if you have asked Jesus to be your righteousness and be your Lord, he is going to pass over your transgression. That's part of his glory. And when we pass over transgression, we're glorious too. The glory of God shines out of us. third thing we need to understand about uh, forgiveness is forgiving is not optional. Forgiving is not optional. Let me read the end of this chapter to you again, just in case you missed the story, missed the point. Matthew 18, we'll start at verse 28 again that slave who'd been forgiven six and a quarter million dollars. Everybody say six and a quarter million. Say it again. Six and a quarter million. That slave who'd been forgiven six and a quarter million dollars. Most of us can't even fathom that kind of money. Went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a 100 denarii. And he seized him, and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground, and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll repay you. But he was unwilling. And went and threw him in prison, until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to the Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger handed handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. <laughs> this forgiveness thing is not optional. You don't have a choice about whether you're going to offer somebody forgiveness or not. <laughs> Unless you want to be handed over to the torturers. Because that's what the Father will do. He doesn't take it lightly. Because we're called to reflect His glory and His glory is He forgives. So forgiveness is not Optional. Fourthly, forgiveness must be from the heart. Did you catch verse 35? My heavenly Father will do the same to you if each one of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. So this isn't just saying, uh, I got two grandsons in here. Jude, come help me here, just for a second. Come on, just come on up the end of the road. Come stand here, and uh, aren't, they love you? Didn't you hear that? Yeah. So, so you make me. You make. I make you really, really mad. What should you do? say stop. (laughs) That's good advice too. And then after you've done that, you need to make the decision to forgive me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not just like this. Grandpa, I forgive you. And then you go back and sit. Don't go back and sit down yet. You don't go back and sit down and say, what a creep grandpa is. (laughs) You don't do it that way. When you forgive, you forgive right from your from your heart. It's inside you. We forgive from our heart. Bless you, Jude, love you. You gonna forgive me? Good, thank you. We forgive from our heart. And here's the really important part. Here's the really important part. How do you know if you're forgiven from your heart? How do you know if you're forgiven from your heart? Point five. Forgiveness is lived out by earnestly seeking out the good of the one you've forgiven. That's how you know you've forgiven from your heart. You begin to earnestly pursue the good of the one you've forgiven. John Piper says, The overwhelming challenge of the New Testament to all of us is to not return evil for evil. That's the overwhelming challenge. When we've forgiven, we move past this evil for evil thing, and we become deeply vested in the good of the person that has hurt us or offended us. General Oglethorpe. Any historians here who know who General Oglethorpe is? General Oglethorpe was uh, a Britisher. Uh, He was a member of the Parliament in Britain, a philanthropist. Um, And he didn't like the conditions that people were living in, in in Great Britain. And so he arranged and paid for a lot of them to come across the ocean And General Oglethorpe is the guy who started the state of Georgia. Brought all these people over from Great Britain and started Georgia. So he had a lot going for him, but he had, like most of us, some parts of his character that weren't fully developed yet. And this was one of his favorite sayings. I never forgive... And I never forget. Well, he made the mistake of saying that once to his contemporary, the great um, Methodist pastor evangelist named John Wesley. And when he said to John Wesley, I never forgive and I never forget, John Wesley said to him, Well, then, sir, you better never sin. Then, sir, you better never sin. We're marked by this spirit of forgiveness because we need forgiveness. And we don't return evil for evil, but we begin to invest in others and helping them get better. You who are spiritual, Galatians 6:1, restore. Get them back on their feet. So, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible is the story of Joseph. And there was a time when I preached through his life many years ago here at this church. It didn't take four years. But I remember the end of the story. So, take that off just for a second. Is it? Can we go back? Because I, I want to set that up a bit. I, I pointed at it, yeah, but I wasn't... After I pointed at it, I decided I want to talk a bit more. So, so for those of you who don't know the background of Joseph, Joseph had these brothers who were deeply jealous of him because daddy appeared to like him more than the rest of the boys. Not a good thing to do, period, but that's how they perceived it. And as a result, they said, enough of you, and they sold Joseph into slavery. As a result of being sold into slavery, he ended up in living in a completely different country from his brothers. He ended up in a country where he had to learn a different language. He ended up separated from his dad, whom he loved deeply. Ends up in jail for a big part of his life. And then eventually becomes so respected he becomes a primary leader in the government and he becomes the one responsible for distributing food and there's this terrible famine on. And his brothers have to come to another country to beg of that country uh, grain and food. Joseph recognizes them. Joseph. Makes his brothers go back and bring his dad. And, and Joseph treats them very, very well. And then his dad dies. Jacob dies. And his brothers start to shake in their boots because daddy's dead now. And Joseph doesn't have to be nice anymore because daddy's gone. And they're standing in front of him, and this is what we read. Thank you, Ella. Joseph replied, as they're shaking in their boots, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? (laughs) You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, 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 no. Don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. This is why this man goes down as one of the great leaders in all the history of mankind. He understood forgiveness. And he says, I'm gonna look after you, and I'm gonna look after your children. And he speaks kindly to them. Friends, that's who we are. That's who the people of God are. That's the gospel, that's what the gospel is. And the really exciting thing for us as a church is we make a renewed commitment this week to be people who really believe the gospel, really understand that we're forgiven. And because we're forgiven, how can we dare not offer others forgiveness? So, there was a hymn written. Late 1800s, 1898, I think, is when uh, it was written. And it was written by a, ga- a lady named Lita uh, Keck. Lida Keck. And it's called neither do I condemn thee. I've never sung it. Don't know what the tune is. But a lady sent it to me this week. And I read it, and I wept through it. I'm going to read you. It's got five verses. I'm going to read you three of them. And you can follow along on the screen. This is verse number one. By the proud worshippers scorned for her sin. Was the poor wanderer rudely brought in. Scribes came and Pharisees eager to see what the meek Nazarene's verdict would be. Neither do I condemn thee. Precious words divine. Falling from lips of mercy like the sweetest chime. Wonderful words of Jesus, sing them o'er and o'er. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Still cried the Pharisees, Pray, Master, pray, what shall we do with her? What dost thou say? Spoke he rebukingly, Let the first stone come from a sinless hand and thence along, neither do I condemn thee. Precious words divine, falling from lips of mercy like the sweetest chime, wonderful words of Jesus, sing them o'er and o'er. Neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Spoke he most tenderly, pray, woman, pray. Hast thou accusers none? Nay, Master, nay. Neither do I condemn. Soul sick and sore. Go, for I pardon thee. Go. Sin no more. Neither do I condemn thee. Precious words divine. Falling from lips of mercy like the sweetest chime, wonderful words of Jesus, sing them o'er and o'er. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. It's the gospel, my friends. It's the gospel.